0: Welcome to Disciple Making Mama, a podcast to encourage, inspire, and equip you to make disciples in your home and in the world. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of Disciple Making Mama and yet another episode about the topic of baptism. We've been looking at the book of Acts especially, seeing how did people get baptized in the early church, when did they get get baptized, what was a prerequisite for them to get baptized. And then in the last episode, we've been looking at the deeper meaning of baptism, what actually happens What does God do in baptism? And we've discovered amazing things. We saw that in baptism we are united in the death of Christ but also in his resurrection so that our old identity as sinners is taken away. Our consciences are washed clean and we rise with Christ as saints, as people who are no longer slaves to sin, but can live in the newness of life with Christ. Wow. <laughs> but we also know that probably the last two episodes have um, yeah, raised a few questions in, in some of you. And so we thought we'd just like to do another episode about baptism and um, yeah we've come up with a few questions that we think might be burning on your hearts and we're just gonna talk about them so we haven't um yeah written a script for for this episode or so but yeah just wanna do a bit of a q and a almost about baptism and I'm again here with my husband Hanu, <laughs> who is sitting next to me and nodding very politely and nicely and yeah he is our no, I don't want to say resident expert, <laughs> but he's our, he is joining in this conversation. Be <laughs> the, I'll,
1: I'll be on the receiving end of the difficult questions yeah. and see what yes. happens.
0: Yeah, but we also actually want to share just a few of our experiences and some experiences that friends of ours had with baptism because, um, yes, this is a the questions are maybe very much um things to wrestle with in our minds and to figure out and we want to think well and with sound doctrine about baptism but we also just want to share with you the beauty of real life baptisms and what they did in the beauty people. and messiness yes yes yeah maybe i just start with one story that we um experienced about a year ago our friend was baptized and and um, we did the same thing with her to, that we did with you, telling her, you know, it, if we look at the New Testament, it seems not to matter where you are being baptized. There just has to be enough water for you to be fully immersed in it. And she happened to um, have repented and come to faith in Jesus in December in Japan. So it was cold. But she insisted on wanting to be baptized in the ocean. We said, are you serious? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's kind of nice. It's, it's beautiful to be baptized in the ocean, but it's really not necessary. It really doesn't matter where you're being baptized. Um, why don't we maybe do the bathtub or a bit of a warmer place?
1: Maybe she heard it was a, a death. To the old life, and she wanted to feel like
0: it. <laughs> Yeah, But anyways, she insisted, no, she wanted to be baptized in the freezing cold ocean. And then she told us the reason for that. When her mom was a little girl, she was swimming in the ocean, and then she got into some trouble out there in the water, and was starting to sink. So her father came out to rescue her. But as he was trying to rescue her, he actually drowned himself. And this is now many years later. The little girl from back then had a daughter, which is our friend who was now getting baptized. But our friend said she had always grown up with that burden of guilt that her mom had passed on to her. And she always had felt that she had to kind of make up for the loss that her mom had experienced through the death of her father. And therefore she had just grown up very, very burdened and feeling like she's never enough. But now that she had found faith in Jesus and turned to Jesus, wanted to start a new life with Jesus, she said she wanted to go back to that place that had brought death to her grandfather and this burden of guilt to her mother and herself and wanted to start her new life there. And the amazing thing is that her husband, who is not a Christian yet, and who was a little bit skeptical about what would now baptism do, would, would that now really change anything in his wife? He said ever since his wife was baptized, she was just so light and so bright. And almost like her... Her personality changed a little bit. She was still obviously herself, but she just didn't have that burden of guilt anymore and she could live freely after her baptism. But yeah, anyways, let's dig into the the questions that that some people might have that we had, to be honest. Now we are, both of us grew up in a church tradition where babies are sprinkled with water and that is called baptism what, what what do you think about that now having now gone through the scriptures yes. is that baptism
1: well let's say for the the first thing i found out was that for the first 200 years so about seven generations after Jesus, so the the first two hundred years of the early church, and this is the church that we look to this is the the first part of that is what we read in the book of Acts and the Epistles and so on there's no record of babies being baptized, so in whatever way so there's um, only after two hundred years, so a number of generations away from the Apostles and from Jesus, do we first read about this. So, of course we can never categorically say, oh, no babies were Mm baptised, but of course this includes the New Testament. There are people who have tried their best to find examples of babies being baptised in the New Testament, but of course they are not there. Um, There are some places where entire households are being baptised, but then The same example would mention that the entire household repented. So clearly they're referring to those who were able Mm -hmm. to repent. And so if they said, well, then all of them were baptized, I again see no reason to say that the babies were included in that. Especially when in the book of Acts it's so clear that it's people who've repented and put their trust and faith in Jesus, they qualify to be baptized. They it makes sense for them, um, and so yeah, that's that's how I feel right now about about infant baptism. I um,
0: yeah. now one could maybe say, well, of course, but those were the the first generation believers. They were they they didn't have this rich church tradition and church culture that we now have, and okay, they they now didn't baptize their babies. But what if I, as a Christian parent, want to give this amazing gift to my child isn't that a legitimate thing to do
1: yeah, well what perhaps i should ask you the question but what gift is it that you want to give i think too many people just go with traditions and don't really think through this but we said that baptism is a gift what is the gift the gift is forgiveness of sins a Clean conscience before God, this enslavement from past sins that is broken for a new life, um, and those things are not necessary for a baby. Those a baby doesn't know about it. Baby cannot repent and doesn't doesn't need to. Not from specific sins, of course. A baby needs to be to become a follower of Jesus mm-hmm. later. But I think that it is a very real problem in a way, because we, we as now parents really want our kids to follow Jesus. But as much as we want to do everything for them, to help them follow Jesus, to help them make their decision, to train them up in the way of righteousness now, that later when they are able and need to make those decisions for themselves, that they know what it's about, that they know what it is to follow Jesus and when they decide for themselves that uh, we've given them the best opportunity but baptism isn't helping with that. Mm -hmm. Baptism doesn't come into play with training them up in righteousness. It is then when they choose to follow Jesus that I would love to baptize my children or for somebody else to Mm. baptize them. Again, it doesn't matter that that it's me, but can be. I would Mm. love to be there. I would love to do it. But then I want that gift, and I am convicted that this is the, the New Testament way, that they receive the gift in its fullness of that new life, when they've realized that they are sinners before God, that they have specific sins, they want to lay aside and say, God, please take it away, my heart is dirty, I need this new life.
0: And I think that's also where we can look at God the Father, who wants all men everywhere to be saved, Yeah. yeah. and yet He gives them the freedom to turn to Him or turn away from Him. Yes. And we cannot, as parents do something that that God isn't even willing to do. that That we yeah. want to give faith, that we want to give salvation to our children that even God doesn't do because it can only happen in freedom. It yes. has to be an individual Absolutely. decision yeah. of every single person. It cannot be passed on yeah. from yeah. generation to generation. Of course, teaching and discipleship can be passed on, but not that personal, yeah, yeah. getting a new life. Yeah.
1: yeah, you cannot repent on somebody else's behalf. Yeah. You cannot believe on their behalf. You can help them to do that, but they have still got to do it. And the same thing with baptism. They, they cannot baptize themselves, but they need to be the ones who say, baptize me. They mm. need to be the ones who say, yes, Jesus, here am I. I want this,
0: I need this. Now another part of of infant baptism, but then also adult baptism in some churches, is that um, they don't immerse. You're not put into water with your whole body, but yes. maybe just some water is put on your head or so. Is it... N- number one, maybe, maybe we break it up in, into two questions. Let me just say the questions and then you can answer one by one. Number one, why is that? Where, where, where does that come from? And then secondly, is it, is it really so important how it is now done, whether there's some water sprinkled on your head or if your whole body gets wet? Seriously, is that so important?
1: <laughs> Trying your best to ask the question as hard as possible. <laughs> no, I, and, I'm glad you asked hmm. the first one like that. So this surprised me when I really dug into it, um, in that of course we've talked before about the word baptism that is just transliterated from the Greek meaning to dip or to immerse, and so it doesn't mean to sprinkle. Mm. And actually we said before that for 200 years there were no, no records of any babies being baptised. But actually um, of course then you go for another few hundred years, and basically the the church history that most of us are part of is the lineage through the Catholic Church that then came through the Reformation. I don't think I'm speaking to many people who came through an orthodox tradition or that somehow in another way most of you the the church that you've been part of or people who've discipled you have somehow can trace that back through Mm -hmm. the Reformation, which means it comes back from the Catholic Church. And so the Catholic Church actually immersed for a 1,300 years, or, well, they were not exactly a 1,300 years, but for the first 1,300 years of Church history, um, there was only immersion. Mm -hmm. And so, actually, for most of Church history, sprinkling was just not... Thought because people could understand the word. They Mm. were like, well, why would we why would we sprinkle when it says immerse? It's Mm -hmm. like, why would we have communion um, eating meat when it says bread there? Mm. It's sort of like they they just understand the word, so there was no issue. But then um, they had the Catholic Church had many councils where they made certain decisions, and at one of these there were people who said, Well can you not make it easier for people to get baptised, especially for many people, because the Catholic Church's theology is uh, very strong that um, salvation and baptism goes together. Mm -hmm. And over the years, it became stronger and stronger and stronger. And we, of course, see that baptism is a part of salvation, part of being saved. But they put a, a big emphasis on it. And so they basically said, well... Just people have to be baptized even on their deathbeds. and mm. so some people Otherwise even,
0: you cannot be saved. You cannot be mm. saved.
1: And some people even, there were times where the Catholic Church even said, well, if after you were baptized you sin again, then you lose your salvation. So people were waiting on their deathbeds until they thought, this is my second last breath, please baptize me and then I die in order to make sure they go to heaven. And I, I pity those people who mm. really perished for lack of knowledge. But, yeah, what I want to emphasize in that is that for most of church history, even through the Catholic Church, it was immersion, and then they changed it to made it, make it easier for these deathbed baptisms and for various other reasons. They just said, well, why don't we just sort of agree with, uh, an, on one of our councils that it's okay to pour. First it was pouring, and then it was like, well, if you, once you've taken the step... It's Mm -hmm. an easier... Let's just sprinkle, otherwise the whole bed is wet wet and so on. So, basically that's the history. That's where it comes from. And so then from that, there were then again, after the Reformation, Martin Luther did not really look at baptism or Mm -hmm. touch baptism much. He basically took what the Catholic Church had um, taught him. But then there were groups, Anabaptists and other groups, that searched the scriptures got to know the the bible and said whoa but hang on this is also something that that went wrong during Mm -hmm. the you know the time of the catholic church and so we also need to reform this we need to change this Uh, it needs to be repentant believers meaning Adults, I mean, most churches would say adult baptism or mm. believers' baptism, whatever you want to call it, it needs to be believers who have repented, who have turned away from their sin, and it also needs to be immersion because mm. this is what the word should be translated as. But they were, you know, some groups said that and some others then stuck to what the Catholic Church mm. had said. And so we see that same split until today. So it was immersion, even in the Catholic Church, mm. for many centuries. Then they changed, then the Reformation happened, and then some groups decided, well, let's go back to the way it used to be, even in the Catholic Church. So...
0: So looking yeah. now at this um, variety in today's yes. Church, does it really matter yeah. if you would now... So the yeah. second part of your question,
1: okay. well, I think what we see in testament is quite clear with regards to immersion that sprinkling is not mentioned that through church history immersion is the normal way uh, the meaning of the word when you look at the new testament the pictures of baptism that it's really a a death and dying with Jesus as you a go burial. down a burial. Mm. Exactly. When you're buried under the water, you come up out of the water. It's the the only one that sprinkling doesn't look remotely like going into a you know, being buried mm. and being raised again. So all of those reasons I would say should say, yes, this is this is the way. I think perhaps this is the biggest question of people who have been sprinkled. I think Mm. if you really look at the New Testament, you say, yes, put me under the water. Mm. If this is in your past and you have been sprinkled or there's been a pouring or something like this that that you think, "Mm, yeah, maybe it's not looking exactly like in the New Testament. I encourage you to look at the Bible, but also really ask Jesus. I'm not going to say, oh yeah, your baptism is not a baptism at all, or something based on that. Um, if you, at that time that you were sprinkled, if you were a repented believer and you wanted to be baptized into Jesus, then you go and ask him. Um, if you see the fruit of baptism, if you experience the things we've mentioned, then if you have peace with Jesus, I'm not going to say, oh yeah, but I'm going to force you to, to change. I'm not, not going to force any of you to do anything, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do urge you to really ask the Lord. And if you have doubts, I'd say, what does the Scripture say? Because I think from from church history, from the Scriptures, it's quite clear what is the, the normal way. And... Um, I would also say, if you are sitting on the fence, if you really don't know, and and I've met a few people who are saying, I I just don't know, should I do something, but then if I'm going to get baptised again, there is no such thing as Mm baptised again, you get baptised once, so then I'm saying the previous one was not right, but I, I like my previous baptism or I have fond memories or something like that, I think yeah if you if you really doubt, as I said, ask jesus, but if you if you still are not sure, just go for it and ask somebody to immerse you in water and just say, Jesus yeah i have I have many questions, and there's uncertainty, and I just want certainty. I want to join you in your death and your resurrection. I want to make sure that this is just good and right. And put it in the past, and do it with joy. Then just go ahead with it, and find somebody who can help you with that. So that's my advice for you. I think we've we've covered what's very clear in scripture. There are things that are not exactly clear in scripture, like what to do when this was now in the past, and so on. So when the sprinkling you with know, sprinkling, yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: yeah. Now you mentioned if you have those things in your life. Um, this victory over sin, this walking in the newness of life, no longer being a slave to sin. But what if someone was baptized and they still feel that they are slaves to sin Mm. when their lives don't seem to reflect what the Bible says?
1: So for some people I have met and I've been at their baptism's way there has been a remarkable change right at the baptism. You just see it in their face. They just... There's a lightness about them. There's a joy. There's They come out and say, wow, my conscience is clean. It's amazing. It's wonderful. I, they have tears of joy. Some other people come out of the water and they're just wet. <laughs> and they're like, well, oh, this was you know, very good and so on. But they, they can't point to something specific that they feel different or think different or are different or that they're like, well, it's not like I was addicted to drugs, and suddenly not, I just have not been addicted to drugs. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think many people have this question. Now, last time, we looked at what Paul wrote in, in Romans 6, and he wrote about dying to your old life, dying with Jesus, being buried with him, and that... In that way, your old life is buried with Jesus. So this is what you're referring Mm. to. But later, in that same chapter, Paul writes and he says, so because you have died to sin, now consider yourself dead to sin. Because you are dead, consider yourself dead, Mm. is my paraphrase. Mm -hmm. Now, how does he say something like that? The New Testament especially is full of things like this. Paul loves writing these things that seem sort of paradoxical. Mm. But it's again one of those already and not yet. You you have died with Jesus, but yet now consider yourself dead and live like it. It's like if I said to you, Anna, you have done a, this and that and this, and now you qualify for citizenship of the UK. I don't mm-hmm. know. country yeah. that, some, some country you've always loved and wanted to be a citizen of. Years. a Passport, you are now a citizen of the UK. Now live like one. Mm. So you you have been placed in a to a different kingdom. You are no longer in the kingdom of darkness. You are now in the kingdom of light. So live like that. You still have free will. You can still do things from the kingdom of darkness. And it will mess up the kingdom of light light. You know, or well, it will mess up this this life. Mm-hmm. Um and in the same way, Paul is saying, you have the freedom. You have been set free from your old life, okay? That you you have died to sin, but you've got to choose daily to continue in that new life.
0: Mm-hmm. But you are also empowered, as we are empowered. shared in yes. the testimony of your friend, Last time, for exactly. example, that after his baptism he just felt he had a different stand against exactly. sin. He still had to stand. He still had to consider himself yeah. dead so to that sin. But this is not there is a different authority, a, different, a different identity.
1: Yeah. So you are different, but this doesn't just happen automatically. Mm. You've got to make it happen, but it's not from your own strength. Mm. Okay. So it's again one of those um, I don't know if that completely answers the question. But, yeah, it's, this is now true about your life, so live it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, I want to encourage you that this is not just make-believe stuff, this is not just a, oh, just believe that you will lose weight and it will happen, mm. sort of thing. But it is a, this really is the truth So go and live in it, and the more you live it out, the more it also becomes.
0: Manifests in your life, Exactly.
1: Manifests in your life, becomes what just happens. And pray and ask Jesus, if if you still struggle with something, say, what is wrong with this? Perhaps you have not thoroughly repented about this. Perhaps you've, even in your baptism, this was still something that you were holding on to. Give it away to Jesus if that's the case.
0: Yeah. And consider yourself dead. Consider to...
1: yourself dead mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. Yeah. Desire to be dead to it.
0: Mm. Now, if we think about making disciples, helping others to start yes. the new life with Jesus, we said last time. Um, Jesus said in his last commandment, go and make disciples, and then part of that is baptizing them and teaching them to to obey everything that he has commanded. But again, now we live in a time where there are many churches, where there are many denominations. Each church kind of has their own um, list of things that you have to tick in order to qualify for baptism. If I now disciple somebody and they say, whoa, we've been reading the Bible, I think I should get baptized. Um, how should I go about <laughs> this? Is it really yes. necessary to baptize mm. them? And yeah, maybe these are two questions. Let's yeah. just talk yeah. a little bit about this.
1: Yes. So this, this is one we can really answer from experience in having had people who come to faith and then churches around us who believers who've been also involved with them or churches that they've been attending as they become a Christian have had different opinions and we've struggled with that especially with one church who basically one girl who came to faith and who who really repented of things that even happened years ago things that we would consider minor and she would suddenly be wow I have to change this I have to apologize to that person just really living this heart of repentance. And we said, well, she is ready to be baptized. But the church that was also involved and that actually introduced her to us, this was in Japan, the church said, no, we don't think that that can just happen. uh, Becoming a Christian takes a lot of time and a lot of knowledge. So you've got to attend church at least for one year before you can get baptized. Now, I think when we this is great to to look at what Jesus said in Matthew which will guide us in this because he said, go make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. So I don't understand why churches put the baptism at the end when Jesus said make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them everything I commanded you. So Sadly some people feel like, no, but we've got to teach them everything and then they get baptized. But when we looked at what baptism does, you know, it's a it's a death to the old life and a start of the new.
0: That in many ways enables you exactly to obey. That enables you to obey. It's still your free will, let me just make that clear. But as we said, it gives you that new identity that is actually able to resist. Exactly.
1: I mean to to teach somebody about the gifts of the Spirit and the, the fruit of the Spirit and about how to live the Christian life but you're not willing to give them the start of the Christian life will mean that it's all theory and I think a lot of people get yeah fall through the cracks in that process. If if you insist on teaching them a lot of things first and then giving them the New Testament start of the Christian life in So many places in Acts, we see that people were baptized on the day or very close to the time that they believed in Jesus, that they came to repentance. And even Paul even baptized the Philippian jailer and his household in the middle of the night. So they thought this was very important for the start. And so, the second part of your question yeah, if there are other believers or churches with different opinions. Um, we need wisdom, and we need to take this case by case, I think, with seeing how involved is the church, can we speak to them, can we say, hey, but this? don't you agree that this is what the New Testament says? I don't think it is wise to simply say, oh, but clearly the New Testament says this, I'm just going to do it, and then break a relationship with a, a group of believers um, that has been involved in this person's life. And especially for a new believer, if they, even with their baptism, that's so early on, already see uh, a tension and a struggle and, and basically Christians going behind each other's back, that is really a bad witness. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I also don't just... I, I've also seen too often how people who see things clearly commanded in Scripture just take a back seat to what tradition dictates and who've just said, okay, well the church says this, so that's just it. I think really ask Jesus um, for wisdom in the situation um, but also perhaps the best is to to explain to the believers who, who might differ and then to just go ahead and baptize somebody. And since this is now about baptism mm-hmm. but this yeah. this might be applicable to many other things as well. Uh, when might somebody join a cell group or something mm-hmm. like this? And to say, this, between me and Jesus, my conscience is clear, and this seemed to be the best based on biblical principles and what seemed to be best for this new disciple. And that's why I did it. And it would be very strange for people who truly are concerned mm-hmm. about the growing, growing and the coming to faith of a, of a person to then have an issue with you about, oh, how dare you do this and go and baptise somebody on your own, when clearly in the New Testament people just baptised in the river or in the middle of the night and wasn't so organised. So, yeah, but wisdom is needed here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, we speak a lot about baptism, about the necessity of baptism in becoming a disciple of Jesus. What about people that are not baptised?
1: Yes. This is, of course, a, a very, very big question. And so I am I not just going to give a major, quick answer. When I look at the New Testament, and I, as I've said before, I really search the scriptures, try my best to understand them well, read them, re-read them, to apply them in my own life but then also to train and teach others and help new, other new believers especially. And whenever I've been involved where people have come to faith uh, I'm also usually quite involved with them being baptized. And so we've considered it very important for new believers why would we not consider it important for older believers or Mm -hmm. for people who haven't been baptised or people who might say, well, I was baptised in a way that I don't see in the New Testament. Should you be worried about your salvation is basically Mm -hmm. another way to phrase the question. When I read in the New Testament the effect of baptism, what God does in baptism, how you qualify for baptism, what, what what it is all about, I would say, why would you even ask the question? This this is just, wow, who wouldn't want this? So I, I, I would always want to rephrase the question saying, who wouldn't want to be baptized? Mm-hmm. Um, who wouldn't just jump at the opportunity when you see what God gives you as a gift in baptism?
0: And And I think that's also what we see how the first disciples seemed to handle this question, that when they met people who were clearly following Jesus already, but had not understood that there is another kind of baptism now that Jesus has died and been raised from the dead. They had the baptism of John. They were trying very devotedly to live God's way, but then... The disciples met them and said, oh, but don't you know there's actually another baptism? The disciples didn't panic and say, oh, my goodness, don't you know that you guys are not saved? Don't you know that you're on your way to hell? But they said, don't you know that there is this amazing baptism now through the death and resurrection of Jesus? Don't you want this baptism? And then they baptized those who wanted it.
1: So that's if you wanted to look at that. I believe it's Acts 19, but it's around there yeah. um, where Paul meets the, the Ephesian mm. um, disciples, and they're called disciples. Mm. You know, they they've repented. They they're really on the. They've started their journey of salvation. And so, but perhaps this is also. I don't. I'm not sure if you or we have talked about this in the past, but that many people want to know. So, where did I cross the line from unsaved to saved? Some people say, oh, on that day, at that event, on this place, I got saved. And they see salvation as this line to cross. Mm. But this is not a biblical picture. When we see what is, in the New Testament, it is a journey that you start and that you continue on. And there are things that happen on the journey. And there are things that should happen at the start of this journey. And things that should happen uh, as you go. go, As you go. And for example, uh, repentance. There's a very clear, like Peter said, repent. At the start, there's a repentance, a turning away from your old life. And yet it's also as you go. Whenever you discover, oh, here's another piece of, of old life. This is a bit of, here's a sin that crept in. You repent again of that. So, it's something you go, you do as you go, but it's very important that it's at the start. Baptism is not something that continues; it's at the start. so if we are saying, "Oh, here's this th- believer who's been a believer for thirty years, but they never had baptism at the start, so just say, "Wow, but amazing that you've walked all this way without having this proper start but let's let's get it done." Mm-hmm. That's what we see in the New Testament. If we now really want to push the question of should somebody worry about their salvation? I think you should just say, they're if they're not mm-hmm. baptized. Um, our first answer was, why ask this question and not just, wow, when can I, how can I be baptized? Mm. That was the question people asked in the yeah. New Testament. but. If you look honestly at what the New Testament says, then you just not want to be in that place.
0: In the place of in doubt. In the
1: place of doubt. And so I'm not going to say to you, you are unsaved. But I will say to those of you who are baptized, you are on the way of salvation. Okay, so I'm going to answer this question in affirming the positive. But I'm not going to deny the negative, if that makes sense. I'm not going to be... It's, uh, there is serious warnings in the New Testament about many things, about sin, about those who have not taken the Word of God seriously, who have not turned away from their old life. And baptism is part of that turning away from the old life. Peter says, baptism now saves you. Now, as we said, it's not that that is the moment of salvation, that is the full picture, but it is a part of salvation. Don't miss out on it. Mm. Don't miss out on it. And don't, yeah, don't get into all sorts of questions and this and that, and just be baptized. Just be baptized.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, maybe to end this bit of Q&A time, you talked about the effects of baptism earlier that we read about in the New Testament, that people are no longer slaves to sin, that they now their conscience is washed clean. Mm. Can you share a few experiences of well, where you've seen that yes. in real life today?
1: This is one of those where I have to juggle a few stories in my mind thinking, okay, which ones will not make it, but uh, yeah, one is a, a lady I met from Taiwan and she she's one of the people that I think 95% of the time I saw her, she was smiling, it's just one of those people who, she's just always smiling, and everyone picks it up about her and So she came to one of our discipleship trainings and I asked her to share her testimony. And she said, well, she wasn't a believer. Uh, She's Taiwanese, didn't grow up in any sort of Christian culture or environment. But some stage of her life she was working and things were just not good. She became very depressed and just struggled in life. And she thought there's no reason to live. And she never smiled. Now, she said this to me, and I struggled to believe her, because I thought, but you always smile. She said, I never smiled. I was never happy. And this became worse and worse and worse, and she became suicidal. And then one time, somebody shared something with her about the Bible, about Jesus. And it made her feel better. And then sometime later, she felt suicidal again, and she thought, that time that I heard about something about the Bible, I felt better. And so I'm a little bit scared with where I am at the moment. So she she just looked for a church, found a church, went to sit in the back um, of the service, and she felt better again. She thought, whoa, this is, there's something about this. And so then she went a few times and then started listening to what's going on there. And in that, met some other Christians, people who led her to the Lord, and amazingly, her life started changing. And then, somebody at the church, very early on, well, in terms of this, I mean, not early in terms of the New Testament Acts examples Mm -hmm. that we saw, but like, she's a new believer, within two weeks or something, somebody said to her, you should get baptized. And she said, baptized? And she sort of figured out what it meant by then. She said, but I haven't even read the Bible. I've hardly done anything. And this person said to her, well, you've got to choose. Do you want to be in the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light? She said, oh, the kingdom of light. When can I be baptized? And then they, she had her baptism. And after her baptism, she was somewhere and she looked in the mirror and she thought, Who is that person? Because that person is smiling. I am not smiling. I'm not a smiling person. That person is smiling. That's not me. Who is that person? And then it took her a while to realize that her whole face had changed. It was, she was a new person, even as she was still Hannah. Yeah.
0: And this was even confirmed by her psychiatrist because she had been so si- suicidal that she had to regularly go to the psychiatrist and take medication. But after a few days, the psychiatrist said, why are you still coming to me? Why is, are you still taking all this medication? You don't need this anymore. And that psychiatrist was not a Christian. He didn't believe yeah. in the power of baptism or right here. I've also experienced people get delivered as they were baptised.
1: This is actually, I'm glad you asked, because it's been on my mind to, to, on my heart to share this. I've seen a number of people who, before their baptism, start manifesting. So, you start seeing them shaking, or some demonic manifestation happening. And that surprised me, because at first I thought, no, but these are people who want to be baptized. You know, why Why is this? But if you look at what baptism does, in that it's really this line of you die to the old life and it's the resurrection with Jesus to the new. It's where sin, the things that were holding you.
0: And often giving food to exactly, demonic influence exactly in and your life. yeah an opening mm-hmm.
1: to demonic influence are washed away. So if there's a demonic influence in somebody's life, if they're being oppressed by a demon, then that demon's worst nightmare is baptism, right? Because it washes away whatever they were clinging to. And that person is alive, made alive with Jesus. There is no place anymore for that, you know, demon. I've seen people, when they get baptized as well, go under the water... And in that moment, there's a big struggle. Or just before you, you're busy saying, hey, we're going to be baptizing you, and suddenly they start shaking. And one lady was shaking and really manifested like a fish. It was She was like like a big whale in the water. And so I saw something of these demonic forces. Before I really understood all the implications of all this, that we've been talking about, they really hate baptism. Mm. Why is it that they hate baptism so much? And uh, that they really try everything, that people don't go under the water. I was personally at the baptism of, of one guy in Japan who uh, shared with us that for years, um, after attending his dad's funeral, at the funeral, he he felt like somebody was pulling the hair at the back of his head. And he looked around but there was nobody there and ever since that time he's had that experience that at strange times it would feel like somebody's pulling the hair at the back of his head and there's just nobody so that really was weird for him but he since the the big tsunami in japan he'd been searching for god and then he became a follower of jesus and he shared all these things with us um And I baptized him personally and a few weeks later I heard from him and and one of my big questions was, so how's it going? He said he's never felt that again. And so of course also knowing that he, he shared this with us as he was baptized after he came up out of the water, I also prayed over him just a prayer of deliverance and commanded any evil there to leave because they have no more place there Um, but that was really such an amazing moment it wasn't he didn't have this big whole deliverance or something but you could see it in his life and he testified that and then later months later he said it's just gone it's just gone it's not there so Baptism really cuts one off from the previous life and cuts off footholds that evil has as well. And that's really an amazing part of that freedom that one can have. And I know this will be strange, freaky, weird for many of you, but this is uh, the freedom that Jesus gives.